Welcome to this episode of Chasing Squirrels. Today we get the opportunity to talk with Beverly Khan, who has been in the technical recruiting space running her own company for 40 plus years. Today she shares her experience and insights on why everybody should learn how to code, what's 2021 going to look like for software engineers, and how to best leverage working with an external recruiter to maximize your job search. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's go ahead and get started. This morning we have Beverly Khan on, and do you want to give us a little background on what it is that you do and your experience in the development world and recruiting? I I own a company. I founded a company in 1979. The name of our company is New Dimensions in Technology. We are a permanent placement company. We specialize in engineering product management, and marketing. Many of our clients are large Fortune 500 companies, uh, some middle-sized privately held companies, and others at an early stage. The majority of our work is very heavily in the eastern seaboard. So anywhere from, I'd say, Washington to Maine are where many of our clients have their corporate offices, although we do do global work. Um, Beyond that, What I'm very proud of is I would say 85% of our business is repeat, meaning we work with these companies or we work with people that are hiring at these companies for many years. So we've built up a relationship. Uh, We pride ourselves because we're based north of Boston um, in a town called Marblehead, Massachusetts. We pride ourselves on strong New England ethics of hard work, professionalism, honesty, and the ability to get the job done. So I'm curious, what prompted you to start the business to begin with? And why did you get into recruiting? That's a good question. Um, my husband was sick. I was trained in college to be a teacher, which I loved, an elementary school teacher. I had three young children, um, five, six, and nine years old, and I needed to make a living. It was either doing this or probably at that time going on welfare because there were no jobs. And somebody dared me to start a business. I went to our town hall, asked them, how do you start a business? And um, (laughs) they told me I had to go to the bank and open up a DBA account. Um, I did that. Um, Just I'm I'm a consummate networker. I was that as a young girl. Um, I love people. I love learning. And I find that when you ask people to help you, most people will reach out to help you. And then you remember those who help you. Can can you kind of give a little bit of background? I know people um, work with recruiters often. Can you give a kind of the difference between an internal recruiter and an external recruiter from a candidate perspective? Yes. An internal recruiter is most of the time a paid employee of the company. Their job, if they're the recruiter, their job is to find human talent for their company. They get, most of them, if they're a permanent employee within a company, they're salaried. Many times a company will hire a contract recruiter who works for them for just a period of time. We are not internal. We are external. Companies come to us when they need human capital. We as a firm do not work with any company unless we have a signed contract, which means we are not sending resumes that are unsolicited meaning we're not a paper mill. We just don't send out resumes. We built a relationship. We sign a contract where the terms are equitable to us and to the company that we're working with. And these companies reach out to us when they need to find human talent that either they're inside 
recruiters cannot find or else many of them do not have internal recruiters, especially if they're a young early stage company. And so what are, from a developer standpoint, what are some red flags to look for when you're working with external recruiters? What are some indications they're brand new? Maybe they don't actually have a job. They're just trying to collect resumes. And what are some ways to be able to like wade through that to make sure you're working with a quality one? Excellent question. I'm always amazed how um, frivolous people are in working with a recruiter. Um, People are very careful when they engage an accountant, a lawyer, because they have to pay them. We don't get paid by someone that we're representing to a company. The company is paying us. I don't know how it is throughout the United States, but I know in New England, recruiting companies such as us, it would be illegal to charge a person looking for a job. I am amazed at how many people do not take time to investigate who is reaching out to represent them as an external recruiter. My advice would be, Try to work with somebody who's been doing this for at least five plus years. Look them up. You don't want to be represented by somebody that's a rookie. And I'm saying that not in a negative way, but they may take your resume. They may not really understand what you've done, who you've worked for. We're very careful at our company. We want to know, are you really educated? Interesting story. Many, many years ago, I had a candidate who told me he graduated MIT, was on his resume. And he said, as GPA was a 3.8 out of a four. And I have a philosophy that I ask the same question three times. And if I don't get the right answer, you struck out. Well, MIT is one of the few colleges in the United States that has a 5.0 GPA. So this man was misrepresenting his resume. And we don't, we're very careful. I mean, we get paid a fee to do the hard work, to investigate the person, Um, I judge a person for the first call I get if I don't really know them when they're speaking with me on the phone. I want to see how they speak with me, how they communicate. I look for their energy. I look for the questions they ask. And I also, it's mental volleyball. I can tell within five minutes if I don't know somebody, if I really want to start working to represent them. Has that been more and more of a challenge considering the uh, remote work scenario? It's a good question. Um, I still like to speak to people. Um, Doing virtual sometimes isn't always the best way. And we don't do virtual the first time we're meeting a brand new person. Um, Fortunate for us, many of the people that we represent, we've represented over the years. I mean, there are people that I've placed five or six times in their careers. Um, I may have started knowing them in 1979, 1980. Um, Sometimes we represent their children and we've even represented their grandchildren. I mean, I'm going into my 42nd year of doing technical headhunting, and um, we have a long-time relationship with people. I mean, that's the foundation of any good person, whether you're building your career in engineering, marketing, whatever industry you're in. Build it up with relationships and always keep your bridges well-crossed. I looked down your uh, LinkedIn page and saw you have many clients from across the world as well, so you have to be kind of used to interviewing for various geographic areas as well. I love that. I've traveled all over the world except Australia and New Zealand. And I love it. I love going to countries where people that I represent come from because it's not just a resume. You really want to know where they've come from, what their cultures are. I want to make sure that I can pronounce their names correctly. The name is one of the most precious part of you. And if I mispronounce it, shame on me. 
are are there things that you can do as a candidate to get the recruiter to prioritize your job search um, or what's what's kind of a good cadence to follow up because you kind of feel like oh man are they looking for me it's been a week or so i haven't heard anything what's kind of the cadence or some of that on the recruiter itself i'm curious your thoughts i'm i'm a very big believer in tenacity i like candidates that are tenacious and remember i'm dealing i get hundreds of emails a day um, I'm working eight to nine hours a day, even during this pandemic. Um, the interesting thing is we have jobs and a scarcity of people, especially the people we want to represent, who we refer to as passive. Um, but it's you you have to be on my radar screen. You have to let me know. And there's a classy way of doing it. Just I'm checking in. Um, everyone is emailing today. Um, I'm look, I'm, I'm on my cell phone a lot, although I must say that I try at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every night to shut off my phone and my computer because I've had too much online um, and I need to be disconnected just to recharge myself. But being tenacious is a a really good thing and being gracious in your tenacity. That's awesome. So what are some things that are red flags specifically for you when you're looking at candidates? I know you've mentioned some of the positive things, but one are you said you can identify within five minutes. What are some red flags early on that you're like, this is not going to be a good fit for our clients? Um, if I look at a resume, I can tell almost immediately um, where they went to school, what their education is. Um, here in New England, we're very lucky, especially when we represent senior people. We know the companies they've worked at. And we do rate our companies. We rate them A, B, C. Um, and we really want to know the companies that people have worked at. Um, these are decisions that are very important. When I speak to somebody on the phone, immediately I look for their energy, their passion, how they talk with me. I call it mental volleyball. I'm very big also on vocabulary. I'm very impressed when people use elegant words. Awesome. So... I know we've talked before about how you have worked with uh, essentially graduates from MIT and Harvard and Northeastern um, being up in New England. What are some things that people from these coding boot camps and maybe computer science degree um, students that aren't from maybe the top tier schools, what are are some things they can do to be on par with some of those uh, tier one type graduates just in terms of effort? Um, Interesting. Um, Up until recently, many of the companies that we work with were partial to candidates coming from the best engineering schools. But we're finding right now that there are a lot of jobs and not enough people. Um, I think the projects that someone has done, it's very hard when you're coming out of these boot camps or training programs for someone like me to represent you. Um, Just to let you know, I give away people as gifts. If somebody (laughs) is very entry level, I don't think a client should have to pay me. Um, and I will send them to some of my favorite clients who really have partnered with us over the years and say, this is a great aspiring engineer or person. I think that you should look at the resume. Um, interesting that you should say that or ask the question. Um, I had a, a small group of people um, whose parents I knew who were going into their senior year in school in college and didn't want to go back because they didn't want to be doing virtual work. And they were taking what we refer to as the gap year. And I refer them to my companies purely as gifts. They don't have to pay me. And they got jobs. Uh, They're working remotely, but they're working. And that's the most important thing. So getting back to your question about coming out of a boot camp, um, 
the more experiences you can have, if you want to do internships, if you want to do volunteer work, you've got to show a company that you really are passionate about what you're doing. You're not just looking for a job. You love what you do. That's great. And so do you find that um, coming out of the boot camps or even the computer science degree, um, is there a lot of appetite from companies to hire a lot of those junior engineers um, right now? Or do they mainly just, hey, we, we need senior engineers? It really depends on the job they're going to be doing. Um, I'm finding out that there is an appetite for people that have had two plus years experience. Um, okay. They want them to at least know what it is to be in a job, what they're doing. Um, I think entry level is really a um, challenge. And I think I would say to anybody, if they are entry level and they're graduating a boot camp or a college with a degree and they're looking for an opportunity, post yourself on LinkedIn. Um, have a good picture. Have a professional picture, not like you just rolled out of bed. Um, have a good picture. Write up what you're really good at. If you've done any volunteer work, if you've done many any projects in school, um, people want to know a lot about you. Years ago, people used to put at the bottom of their resume their interests. And I had, I'll never forget, I had one candidate who put, I enjoy smiling. And I said, are you, really <laughs> sure? are you really sure you want to put that on your resume? And he said, yes, that's who I am. He said, and I had a lot of respect for that. Um, many years ago, many of the people I represented here in the mini computer world, when I started in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, were really engineers who really were pilots. They loved to fly their own plane. Uh, they were really pushing life to its limit. So um, you get to really know a person is more than just the resume. So if you are looking for a job, you really want to have, if you're representing a resume or you're on LinkedIn or any of these sites, you really want to make it appealing. So somebody wants to know something about you. Awesome. And I'm curious from the demand overall for software engineers, you kind of already talked about the fact that it's, it's pretty great for pretty big demand for engineers. Oh, how would you that. how would you say the uh, market has progressed over the last five to seven years and especially into these last you know six to nine months um, in terms of what employers are looking for both volume wise and specialty wise technology is the gasoline to our engine throughout the whole world um, we have so many opportunities and we don't have the people and when I say we don't have the people um, People, because of the pandemic, or even in, in a very strong economy, I mean, I'd rather be in this position where I have more jobs and not enough people than in the opposite when there are no jobs and a lot of people. And I've gone through seven recessions in my life or in my career. And that's really tough when you have all of these talented people and no place to put them. Um, I say to anybody, whether you're in... Um, software, if you're in a marketing role, if you're in a product management role, a consulting role, learn to code. The coding is king. I mean, when a company has to decide between people and you're technically at the top of your game, it's going to be much easier to get that job. That's awesome. Do you see the progression of hiring picking up even more so in 21, 2021? Or do you have any thoughts about how it'll progress over the next year in terms of remote work and volume of candidates? That's a good question. Um, I, I see it actually picking up. I mean, when the pandemic started, some of our companies went in a holding almost a freeze pattern from, I'd say, maybe the end of March to even the beginning of the summer. Um, and remember, they only come to us when they have to pay our fees. 
So during the summer, even in those times of, that were somewhat frozen, companies were trying diligently to find their own people. Um, and they do come to us when it's a hard to fill opportunity or they can't, they don't have the talent internally to find it. Um, I think it's, I think we're at a great time. I think healthcare is a strong vertical to be in. Um, also anything to do with farming. Um, we have a company on the West Coast that builds synthetic eggs. Um, I think you should do what you love. I, with this pandemic, there'll be so much work that's going to go on in the healthcare area um, with biotech companies, with electronic records companies. Um, we're working with chip companies. Uh, this, this, this is a great, I mean, America is a wonderful country. I love America. And there's so much opportunity here. Yeah, it is. What's the best way for people to look at open positions that you guys have or to be able to kind of contact you and, uh, and your team? We try diligently to post the opportunities that we're working with on our website. Um, sometimes we can't post them there because it's a private situation where the company doesn't want these openings to be put out to the public. Um, we do have a high bar. Um, we do want people that can collaborate. Um, years ago, when I placed engineering people, you could go into a cubicle and you didn't have to communicate with others. You just were there. Today, you have to be very collaborative in nature. Um, you also asked me initially about remote work. I'm finding out that people that I do work with want to get back to the office. Um, their offices have been opened up, maybe a small amount of going back. Um, nobody's forced to go back. But I think people miss the energy, the synergy, just being together, just being, um, you can just do so much in a virtual situation. I know companies are doing very well, um, but I think the majority of people that I know want to get back to the office. Is there anything else that you would like to add that's top of mind in the recruiting world right now that people uh, should know within the tech space? Um, I think when you, if you are looking for an opportunity, take time to really write a good resume. Um, I tell people I love what's called an elevator pitch at the top of your resume. Even if you're a few years out of school or many years out of school, you've got to at the very top of your resume paint a mental picture of who are you? What have you done? What are you doing? And where are you going? And it cannot be written in generic words. It really, immediately, it has to present a mental picture of who you are. If you are in engineering, and that's an area that I really um, major in, or that's an area that I love to place people, talk about the technologies, the hands-on technologies that you're working with. Don't present anything that you haven't. Don't, if, if you're coding in Python, don't put Python as a language, but you don't show on your resume where you've used it. Um, keep up to date. Look at the up-to-date languages. Um, also, when you're looking for a job, whether you're junior in your career, middle or senior, try to work with people that are smarter than you are, that you're always going to be learning with. Go with your gut. I mean, there are so many facets to looking for a job. Um, looking for a job is not a science. It's an art. Um, and you really have to like people, get to talk with them. Um, I have questions that I tell my candidates to ask a hiring manager directly. Um, ask the person, he or she, what is your management style? Get to know what they're all about. See if you want to work with this person. I also talk to people and I try to find out, they're thinking, how do they make decisions? Why did you take this job? Why did you go to that company? Besides the resume, I really want to see how do they think. I'm I'm actually curious now that you brought that up, um, how 
also the interview process itself for people that do their own internal recruiting for software engineers. Um, are there parts of that that you feel like are not as effective, even though people are doing it? Yes. Um, like <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. When, when I started in 1979, probably up until from 79 to 90, because I always worked in the engineering area. Um, People would go in an interview and they might go to a whiteboard and solve a problem. But the hiring manager that was hiring for that person really had confidence in him or herself to make the decision. Starting in the 90s uh, through the dot-com and now, um, no decision is solely made by one person. Everything is done by a consensus. So everybody has to get on board. And we found over the years that because this is done by consensus, especially in engineering, they have to take these tests tests that are created either by the company or a company that's outsourced. I'm not always sure if you can see the talent in somebody. Some people are really great at tests, others are not. But um, I just wish this testing could be put aside and people would, hiring people would go with their own gut that this is somebody they want to take a chance on. Outside of uh, tests, what would you advocate people do to kind of screen for the competency piece? Or can that be kind of absolved by the experience and meeting with them in person? I think meeting with them, I mean, that's the hard part about the pandemic. Um, when I've represented done search assignments and I've represented senior people, um, it's very important. I watch, if I, I take them to a neutral place, it's usually a restaurant or someplace that I don't own, it's not my office. Um, and I really want to see their human skills. I want to see how they're dressed, how they interact. Um, engineering people today, um, I don't know. I, I think at the beginning, um, I found that with generation and um, the millennials, I'm amazed at sometimes the way that they would interview. I mean, like they didn't in the morning, they didn't men didn't shave or how slovenly they were. Even today with interviewing remotely, um, you've got to get dressed up. You've got to you've got to, you know, it, you're still interviewing. It's not like you're in your pajamas. It's not like you're eating while you're talking. Um, there is so there's such like decorum. I'm I'm sort of very big. I'm, maybe it's New England, but I'm I'm very big on the way you represent yourself. And your first impression really counts. So I don't know right. if I answered your question. I sort of went around in circles. I apologize. No, no, I I 100% agree. Um, all right. So the the best way for people to get a hold of you guys is through ndt.com. Is that correct? Correct. Right. And we all have awesome. our emails. Um, and, and I'm always willing to help somebody. I mean, if, if somebody needs help writing a resume, we don't write resumes. But, I mean, I can look at a resume immediately and know if I want to represent that person. Yeah, I remember every time I have a resume, I don't enjoy doing resumes personally. But I've always just gotten a coach or somebody that will do it for me just because. Well, writing, writing a resume is a work in progress. You're always updating it. What you need to do is you want, you want to present, it's a marketing tool, that's all it is. You want to present a document that somebody wants to read. And you have to make it easy for them because people are so busy today. If you are in, looking for a job in engineering, a software engineer, put at the top of your resume the languages that you code in. Put down any of the technical skills that you have. I mean, everything is cloud-based today. So if you've worked with Amazon, if you've worked with Azure, let them know, but show it in your resume. But you've got to make them interested. If you have a good GPA in your resume and you're just a few years out of school, put that down. If it's not a GPA because you might have slept through some classes or you partied too much, 
but then you woke up in your senior year, don't put your GP on. Um, and getting back to companies do like in engineering if you have a computer science degree because they feel that that's the way you're educated. But if you are coming out of these boot camps, companies also have a lot of respect for your wanting to try to do this. So put down the projects you've done, the languages that you've done. Give them an idea of the value that you can add to their company. And put it at the top of the resume, because how many seconds would you say you have to win over the person looking at the resume? But, but even before that, um, if you're passionate, if you want to be in the healthcare domain, another area that another vertical that's very promising is education. Look at what's happening with remote virtual education for the American students or for the world students. I mean, education is a strong vertical. Um, anything education, agriculture, healthcare, um, is so much going on. It's a, it's a sad time with the pandemic, but it's also an exciting time because our economy is still going on. And last question, is there a way to kind of feels like you go into the black hole of resumes when you're applying on all those large job boards? So what is a way to ensure that you're at least even getting those five to 10 seconds of somebody looking at your resume and ensuring that that happens? That's an excellent question. And that, that's another thing that troubles me that, that they're hiring to these mathematical algorithms or artificial intelligence and machine learning. That's not the way you hire You've got to put the buzzwords up. If you see a job description that you like and it says three years of coding in Java, put down three years of coding in Java, but then show where you've done it. But all of the buzzwords in that job description have to be on your resume so somebody wants to interview or at least start a conversation. And last thing, just because I was curious, I saw on your LinkedIn profile, you have a keyword section followed by a bunch of keywords. Is there, I was just curious why those are there, if those for, to be found or just for reference, <laughs> I was just curious why those are there. I don't even think, I don't even know if they've been updated. Um, well, we, I mean, we try to stay at the top of our game so that when companies, I mean, Python is a valuable language right now. We have companies where it's React, it's Java. Um, interestingly enough, we're working with companies that have now gone heavily back into Microsoft. So if people are C-sharp.net, um, it's interesting. You've got to be at the top of your game. If you love the technology world, you can't be in a cocoon. You've got to read the newspapers. You've got to listen to the news. I mean, reading the newspapers sort of outdates me, but makes me very outdated. Um, but you, you've got to be up to date. You're not just a resume. You're a human being. But if you are building yourself a career, you have to love the career that you're in. That's great. All right. I think we... Uh... We've covered all the topics, so I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, you know, help us help us get in front of the right people. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chasing Squirrels. If you'd like more information on how to get in contact with Beverly, we will have that on goldensquirrel.io. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe.